This isn't just beer. This is beer longing. Every month we're talking about beer and beer culture. This is Belonging. I'm Steve and as always I'm joined by my co-hosts Mark and Rob. Good evening gentlemen, how are you doing? Good evening, not too bad, not too bad. I'm good, it feels like it's been such a busy month, it feels like we've had our own summer break because it feels like absolutely ages since we last recorded a proper show. It does feel like a long time since we've actually sat down to record. I know I know, we did the uh, the guest interview uh, about a week ago, but even then we said it still felt like a long time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, that feels like ages ago. Yeah, that yeah. Nine like days. Yeah, for good, goodness sake, how many weeks has August had in it this year? <laughs> because it feels like it's gone on forever. And they've all rained. Yeah, there's one morning of sunshine. (laughs) Every every single one of them. But without further ado, let's get straight in to the first part of the show. Let's talk about the beer that we have sent each other this month. From the shelves, from the shelves, from the shelves. So we're going to start off with you, Rob. What have you got in your glass? I have got um, a glass that is full of Dog Falls Brewing Co. Inside Line American Pale Ale at 5.2% ABV. And uh, this was sent to me by Mark. And it's a brewery that I have never had before from the um, from the Highlands, apparently. And it's American Pale. It's got a slight, slight um, haze to it. But it's... It is just a solid American pale ale. It's just uh, hoppy. (laughs) (laughs) That'll do with me. Yeah. Do I want to drink a pint of it? Yes, I do. Would I then have another pint of it? Yeah. So, all good. So this is a, this is a brewery I've never heard of before. Mm. Mark, how did you come across these? Well, I I was putting an order with um, Grain Schooner, which is. Last year, this was with uh, the which is run by friend of friend of the podcast Paul Grant um, is business which um, I, I did a couple of online orders with and obviously it's based in Scotland, uh, so we mostly got a lot of Scottish breweries and I we used to put in orders with him and just be like, um, what do you recommend that I, I won't have heard of? And usually when I've not heard of a brewery, I'd be like, what's their standard pale ale? You, you know, or what's their IPA just to get a feel of them um i had a couple back and forth with paul and things so there was some really good breweries in there that i'd never heard of and dog falls who were based in inverness was one of them and so this inside line uh is the american pale ale i think it's yeah. five five point three is it 5.2 yeah 5.2 it's, it's I know. nice and bitter so yeah, and I thought i've never heard of them i'll just give it a go and it was just one of those evenings where i would just Opened up a, a can, just poured it in, just thought, don't really know anything. I hadn't even looked up anything about the brewery, didn't know anything about them, and I just had a sip and went, flipping out, that's really, really nice. Like, I just it's... really enjoyed my can of it because I had no expectations of it at all. I didn't know anything about it. It could have been you know, proper crap for all I knew. But I've not seen anything since, and when I was putting an online order in, 
a couple of weeks ago we actually with Hopsburn and Black who are based in London, but I think they've just had a big delivery of Scottish breweries. I saw that on the website and was like, I'm I'm getting that for Rob because I enjoyed it so much the first time. I got myself a can and enjoyed it just as much mm. the second time. So they're not a brewery I know a lot about, but I would recommend getting some of their beers if you see some. It's a beer that you don't need to think about. It's which is what I often look for in a yeah, beer. Yeah, honestly, days, it's just. It, I think I put it on my Instagram at the time and just went. It's just tasty. I'm not going to give you anything else. It's just a tasty, tasty beer. They do. They do do a white. They do do a white grape IPA as well, which I really recommend. Yeah, um, that sounds I, interesting. Yeah, I got a couple of their other ones, but. Um, yeah, so that's why I sent it to Rob for for those of us for those listeners who sometimes think we're trying to trip each other up. This was definitely a case of I was just like that is a beer that I really enjoyed that I think Rob would as well. So I will say five point two, like the amount of bitterness that you are getting, you would definitely you'd be more likely to expect in something that was sort of seven percent really. So they've they've packed a lot into that five point two percent. Very nice. So it sounds like something you'd enjoy, Steve. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I'm a big advocate of more IPAs and American Powell in this section. Can't be a bad thing, as, as, as far as I'm concerned. Let's just keep sending that shit to each other, because we know we love it. And let's let's keep trying it from new places. As, as, is, that, as well. is that what you've been sent, Steve, this month? Um, I'm, yeah, kind of. Um, <laughs> so I, I almost feel... Uh, I'm a little bit nervous about saying what I've been sent this month, Mark. Um, so Rob kindly sent me a beer from a little-known American brewery called Odell, mm. and it's what their, this shit, guys. It's their IPA. <laughs> Why is it not my one? Yeah, I've got Odell IPA uh, in a can, seven percent, and it's everything you would imagine it to be in in, in the glass. It's uh, deliciously. Uh, it's got that delicious American IPA feel to it. There's a little bit of sticky, piney resinous. It's about six different hops in it as there's, well. There's so much going on in it, and the bitterness on the finish is just beautiful. Um, I I, I want to go on and on about it, but I'm I'm looking at you now, Mark, and I can see that you're almost weeping. Uh, but it's it's absolutely delicious. Thank you very much, Rob. This is a, a, a great beer to be trying this month. No, I'm pleased. There was a lot of it in the country, and I didn't move quick enough to get it anywhere. And so, I've, uh, I'm, 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 I'm only jealous, but in a, um, I'm pleased for everybody kind of way. I just should, I should have moved quicker. Well, if I continue to be skinned, you might get one cent to you next month. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then me the month after. He's yeah. just going to keep sending out. Oh, no, no, no. No, I can't, no, no. I can't give that many away. <laughs> this is everybody's favourite segment of the show. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I like, I'd only had like one, but then I got frightened mm. of, of, of drinking them. So I had to order more. So uh, we haven't spoken to you yet, have we, Mark? What have you been since? I have been sent, and I have a feeling this is um, from at least near the source, um, a can of Kinnegar's, if, and that's how I'm going to pronounce it, um, Scraggy Bay India Pale Ale, and they're from Donegal in Ireland. Um, it's a brewery, actually, I mean, I absolutely love Kinnegar, um, because there was, uh, again, it's a, an online Scottish retailer that I used to order a lot from, uh, 
that used to always stock their beers and for whatever reason they've stopped stocking them for pretty much since the COVID years. So I don't, I don't know if some kind of Brexit thing has kicked in by then, but there's a good chance that it has. So I've not seen their beers for ages. Probably the last one I bought was when I was in Dublin with Steve in 2019. And this is just, um, again, it actually makes me respect it more that it just says India Pale Ale and there's no kind of reference to the West Coast anywhere on the can, but it is a West Coast IPA. But in more of that British sense, there's something something in the yeast reminds me a little bit of Thornbridge's yeast. It's a little bit lemony, but it's just really, again, it's just bitter and it's just really nice. It's just a very nice, clean, crisp, very sort of UK feeling IPA, but it's really good. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. It was uh, that, that that there were two that I was torn between sending you, um, but that was the one that I sampled while I was in Ireland, and and I was like, this has got someone's name written all over it for for next month's show. Um, and luckily, it was you, Mark. So I hope you're. I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Well, we've got a full house this month of um, oh. just people enjoying bitter beer that's, and, that's yeah, what and we having want. a great time. Bitter yellow beer. Absolutely <laughs> what we want. And that's what it's all about as well. We want, we want to try and send each other beers that we enjoy. Um, yeah, Fucker out, Corner. Let's do yeah, this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just let's just be happy for, for 90 <laughs> minutes every month. Let's let's do that. <laughs> While we're being happy in enjoying our first beers, let's talk about our beery adventures this month. Now, I know I've got quite a lot to talk about, so I'm going to hang on maybe until till the end. So we'll we'll, we'll go around everybody else uh, a bit before me. Let's uh, start with you, uh, Rob. Before before you go into this, do you need Mark and I to remind you what you've done this month? <laughs> no, no. The, to be honest, this month I've doing very little i think the most exciting thing for me i've been um waiting for a plantain to to ripen and it it's just not really happening but um yeah for me i went to uh i went to see a grateful dead tribute band called the grateful dudes at the hare and hounds in brom so that i got there and had a point of uh attic intuition which is just their pale ale that they've done a very good job of getting it in a lot of different places around birmingham then I went upstairs for the gig. That wasn't on the bar upstairs. And I had a pint of neck oil. I'll tell you what, that beer is just not good anymore. <laughs> it's very, it's like I was drinking that. It's like, oh, this like, I'd rather someone like buy me a pint of Carlsberg or something. There'd be more flavor in it. It was really bad. I don't know if either of you guys have had one at any time uh, recently, but yeah, that, that was me, and uh, also my only other experience of being out, I went to a pub and had to take a pint back because it was clearly wrong. No, no. So, but I was pleased that there was they had no issues, and I say I took it back, my dad, my dad took it back, but they just uh, happily poured us a different pint instead. So I was going to say, was there, was there any drama? Did they not stare at you? Just, just nothing. No, no, they were really good about it. They says, "Oh, sorry, it's at it's at the end," and they've kept it on, haven't they? Because most people are still drinking, even though it tastes like vinegar. But yeah, that was not good. But they they uh, they poured us a pint of something else, which was okay. 
So yeah, that was that's. I'm going to do a lot more exciting things starting from this weekend. So we'll talk about that next month. So uh, Mark, you obviously haven't <laughs> done as much as Steve, but I'm sure you've got something to to say. Well, I thought I did, but then I've remembered that I've also had a neck oil and also tried to exchange a beer this month. And now I feel like I need to talk <laughs> about those things. <laughs> I, I've, I've also exchanged beers this month, which I'm going to talk about too. Right, so. we, de- we definitely need to all talk about this. Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've had a really, really busy month, but I don't know, not, not just a lot of really fun socialising, just going into pubs and not really thinking about it. You know, I don't think I've touched my untapped for an entire month and just just been enjoying myself. So there's not like things that I really need to touch on our podcast. Although I will say, um, as a a point, I was at a barbecue at the weekend where the fridge was stocked when and got there. Just help yourself. And there was uh, red Peroni in there and, um, and cans of neck oil. I had a red Peroni first, was just like... Oh yeah, this has always been quite nice. It's certainly much better than the other prony instance of, um, things that you get in this country. And then I had a kind of neck oil, and was like, ugh, instantly went back to the prony. Just really is isn't very pleasant at all. I so, used to really <clears throat> like that beer. Yeah, so there, there's a neck oil story for me. I actually saw a, um, a local pub that's just reopened, actually celebrating the fact that it was getting neck oil on keg, and I thought, well, oh, good for you guys, but. I hope that entices people into your pub that aren't me. It uh, makes me really sad that Neck Oil, the name, came from Robert Plant's dad and what he used to call the points in bit he used to drink because that beer doesn't deserve that name. <laughs> uh, and my qu- quick taking back um, story, it was actually about a pub recently where um, the I go in quite a lot and the staff have just been a bit funny about... Um, any kind of complaints about beer recently to the point where I was in there the other night and I had two pints and I knew they were both wrong. Both beers are good beers and they were both wrong. And they got to the point where I was too afraid to say anything. And I was there texting my partner going, come and pick me up from the pub. It's rubbish in here. It's gone completely downhill. It's an absolute joke. All the beers are rubbish, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, well, I can pick you up in half an hour. I was like, Oh, I'll have to have another one to fill the gap. <laughs> Went to the bar. They were only changing the two beers that I just had and were rubbish. So I'd literally had the last pint in the barrel of both beers. So I'd had bottom of the barrel. So I'd just been unlucky. And I knew they were wrong. But because of the staff's attitude, I was too afraid to take them back. So uh, just don't make people feel like knobheads when they know there's something wrong with the beer, guys. Like, because I was like, I knew I should have brought these beers back, but I was too afraid to say anything. Well, stick by your guns. If you know there's something wrong, take beers back. Um, anyway, just last night, I was at the reopening of the beer shed in New Mills. New Mills being the village slash town. I'm not quite sure what it qualifies of, which tour side comes from. And... um. Not the full amount, 60, 60, 70% of the people that run Torside have taken over uh, the beer shed because it was selling up and it's a, a micro pub in the town. And um, I went there last night and they were having a first class takeover as their 
which is the last time Thirst Class will be doing a tap takeover anywhere. The kit's been sold. All the beers are sold. This is the last time we could have got Thirst Class beers, and that's how um, the gang at Torside chose to open the beer shed. And they've, it, it, It's quite a narrow micro-pub over two floors. It's just a lovely, cosy place. They're not planning on actually turning it into the Torside tap. I'm sure there'll be the odd Torside beers on, but people flocking, thinking, oh, Torside have got a pub now. That's not what it's going to be. They're going to be getting breweries like Burning Sky and Kernel on that they absolutely love. Um, but, it, it, you know, it was a good night. It's a, it's a lovely little pub and one that I'll be encouraged to go in more. But as a side note, because I hadn't been keeping up with the post, which I am sad to say, but I only found out last night that, the first class kit had been sold to Brids Cross Brew. Oh, oh okay. that's where he got it from. That's oh, where yeah. he got his kit from. Lovely. Um, which I, I wasn't aware of. And then actually, if you go on his uh, on the Brids Cross Brew site, um, Sean has written a couple of blog posts that explicitly say that's where he got his kit from. And I <laughs> am sorry. Shame to... on me for not having read that. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm sorry to say as well that I hadn't picked up on that. So um, I had a fun time telling people about Sean's brewery and people being going, oh, I've not heard of them. Let me follow them on social media and things like that that were in the, in the bar. So I got a few people excited about that. And I think you've been... Uh, up to date with it, haven't you, Rob? Yeah, I've been talking to Sean this week, and he has got um, a beer that has been canned. Uh, I think it's an American Pale Ale, and by the time this show goes out, it should be on his web shop, and I think he's going to have some some guest beers on there as well. Well, so, so there you go. So that's what I learned last night, and hopefully I got more people excited for it. Um, and, yeah, it was a... Uh, uh, um... A nice farewell to first class, and uh, and, I, and and I hope to our side have got some hope for the future with their own little bar. I did also go to Peak Ender, which was on the Sunday, but I might bookend that once I've heard about what Steve's experience was since he was there the two days prior to me to see how that mixes in. So I'll I'll mix mine in with Steve. But before you got to Peak Ender, Steve, what what had you been up to? Go on, condense it into five minutes for <laughs> Okay, start the timer. Get, uh, get your glass full, Rob. Come on. Yeah. Quite quite a bit, actually. So uh I had a two-week break this summer, which is quite rare for me. Um normally I'll just take weeks here and there rather than taking a two-week block from work. But uh the way things landed in terms of booking peak ender and some other things we had booked we ended up taking two weeks so went to ireland for a week to to spend a week with uh my very good friends wayne and janice um and yeah we got to see quite a bit of ireland actually and we had quite a few raucous nights as as well it, it's probably fair to say so i'm going to try and condense the island trip um in into a few words, should I say. So um, the first thing that they did was they took us out on a pub call of their local town, which is Navan. And I'll just say that we went into a lot of pubs that the minute I walked through the door, my first thought was Mark would absolutely love this place. Yes. Um, that they were proper pubby pubs. A lot of them had like little, uh, what would you call them? Like little nooks 
like like little oh yeah yeah little side rooms that you could go into snugs snugs that's it they had snugs one of them even had a door which we could close and lock from the inside oh my god <laughs> and it had its own little window into the bar so you could get served from from your snug as well which was which oh was absolutely amazing but just just a few observations from that that little tour that we did around Navan was that uh everywhere sells guinness everywhere um, no matter whether you are a traditional bar or trying to be something a little bit different or whether you're trying to be craft, everywhere sells Guinness because that's what people want to drink. Also, I learned that a half a pint of Guinness is called a glass of Guinness, not half a pint. So you have a pint and you have a glass. There are no half pints. You don't uh, ever ask for a half pint. It's a glass <laughs> of, of, of Guinness. Uh, I also learned that Murphy's is much better than Guinness in terms yes. of what it, what it tastes like. And it was an absolute revelation to find a bar that was serving Murphy's because it was a break from Guinness. Did you have oh. Beamish anywhere? No, no Beamish. Um, but if there was no Murphy's or Guinness, there was always Smithwick's Red on Nitro to um, give you another Nitro option if the other two weren't smooth enough for you. Uh, we we also went to a place called um, Birmingham's, which was pretty much the only thing I say is everything Mark would ever hope to want from a pub. It was typically traditional. Um, again, there were a lot of little snugs, loads of really good beer, uh, an amazing choice of whiskey. And it was also the place where I, where I first tried, scra- tried Scraggy Bay on draft as well. And oh. that was that was incredible. And to be honest with you, that was towards the end of our day. And by that point, I was absolutely gagging for something that wasn't black or nitrogenated. <laughs> so <laughs> I just I just wanted something cold and crisp and hoppy. And and that absolutely ticked every box for me. So so yeah, that was that was a that was a lovely pub crawl. And yeah, ended up regretting it quite a lot the next day when we went on a bus trip to trim which was only about 20 minutes from where Wayne and Janice lived. But I had to, it was one of those things, Mark, you know, like the, the flight home on the Saturday morning after that Friday night in Dublin, I had to force myself to sleep on the bus. Otherwise I was going to be very ill. Um, And yes, I was a bit wobbly when I got off the bus. So, so that was, that was a nice start to our trip. Uh, They then took us over to the West coast of Ireland. Uh, We visited a couple of the tourist destinations over there, went to a small town called Doolin, which again was very, very traditional in terms of the bars that were there. Lots more Guinness, lots more Smithwick's Red. I also got to try Murphy's Red as well. Oh my! Was was something again, something different to try. So that was that was quite cool. And then from Doolin, we went on to Galway. Went into a couple of Galway Bay bars while we were there, and discovered the very sad news that of foam and fury which is Galway Bay's double IPA has been discontinued. They're, they're, they're not, they've retired that beer. They're not making it anymore because they, they just don't feel there's a market for it now. So, which is a real shame because I, I know, I know Mark, you've, you've, you've had it a few times. It's absolutely um, iconic. It I isn't, it isn't, it's up there with, I'd, I'd put it up there with like Halcyon in, in terms of. Genuinely, if I, if I think of Galway Bay, it's the only beer that I think of, you know, but it was, I remember one of the Lee's International Beer Festivals, maybe like 2014, 2015, and it was like everyone was just going around going, you have to go and try this beer. And everyone that had it was like, 
people going in the following day, God, I hope it's still on. Oh my God, it's lived up to expectations. It was, it's just a superb beer. I can't believe there's no place for it right now. I know it's it's, it's a real shame. And, and to be fair, I want to give a give a massive shout out to the, the 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 bar manager in the first place we went into. I can't remember his name, sadly, but he um he phoned around all of the local Galway Bay bars to try and find if they had any left, either in keg or ca- or can for us. And sadly, none of them did. So in because it's been sucked up because everybody loves it. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. So, so, so Galway was lovely. And then we had, we finished our island trip with a night, uh, well, a, a sort of day, afternoon, early evening in Dublin as well. We went to, uh, went to Whiplash's bar, which was an absolutely beautiful bar. We arrived there at about two o'clock on a Friday afternoon and it was, there were a few people in there and we ordered our drinks and sat down and then we turned around and it must've been some sort of tour group that came in. And there were two, there were two women working behind the bar. There were about 12 people in this tour group and every single one of them ordered a different cocktail. And all I could think was you bunch of absolute twats. (laughs) <laughs> because these these two women just spent the next 45 minutes making cocktails which was a bit of a struggle for anybody else in the bar that wanted to get a drink because obviously they were trying to serve this group and and at the time this was my um this was my first experience of having to take a, ba- a beer back to the bar because we ordered uh they had an ESB on which we ordered and we sat down and tried it and it was very very sour and I don't ever remember ESBs being sour unless there's there's something wrong with the line or we're at the end of the cask or the keg or that sort of thing so I took it back and I said to them and, and I was waiting waiting there patiently while they're making their cocktails uh, and one of them made eye contact to me and she was like is everything all right I was like I just don't think this beer is right and to her credit she stopped making t- the cocktail she poured herself one off the line she tried it and she was like I completely agree with you what would you like instead so great customer service that she was able to do that big big shout out to those but yeah the 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 island trip was fantastic uh like i say got to the point where i just didn't want to drink any more guinness though because i <laughs> I, I just had enough of, of of guinness um and it's I, I still haven't been able to quite bring myself back to, to to drinking guinness since i've been back i've tried i've tried <laughs> i've drunk other stouts but just can't can't drink guinness but so i'm not sure whether that was the five minutes or not but i've got a couple of other things just going to squeeze in very very quickly i'm very conscious of the time and me talking 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 um also went down to portsmouth and south sea for a couple of days went to a couple of nice places place called hoos in south sea which is a belgian beer bar um nice little venue lots of draft belgian beers great food it's a bit out of the way a bit outside of Portsmouth you're looking at about a 20 25 minute walk outside of Portsmouth itself but well worth the visit and also went to a pub where I asked for full as ESB and got served the saddest looking pint of cask beer ever um it looked so sad that I feel like it had lost all of its will to live before it made it into the glass and that didn't taste that didn't taste great either but I didn't take you sh- that You should have back. adopted it and get given it a new home. <laughs> I should have done, but I didn't take that back because it was a very, very busy pub. It was basically the only pub on a Monday night that was open in the place that we were in. And it was their quiz night. And it was also the return of Monday night football. So this place was rammed. And I didn't want to be that guy taking a pint back to the bar at that point so i just drank three quarters of it and i was like i've had enough of that i need something else so so i moved on and then 
<laughs> Finally, finish on. Uh, went to Pekenda. <laughs> um, Thursday night in the Northbridge yeah. Taproom, which was absolutely uh, amazing. If for for those of our listeners that have been to the Thornbridge Taproom, it's great space. They've they've they've, they've worked wonders with that space that they've got there. Um, their beers, you, you know, pretty much from the source. Great pizza, great feel to the place. We 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 had a lovely evening there, and then we did two days in Pekenda, where uh, I thought the vibe was really nice. I liked the way the bars were set out at Peak Ender as 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 well. You you, you had pretty much a an exclusive Thornbridge bar in in one corner, and then you had two other bars that were interconnected that that had Thornbridge beers, but a lot of guest beers as as well. The only thing that I'm really disappointed about is that it never quite got round to serving that Roosters West Coast Stout that you got to try, Mark. Um, because I, I know I know you didn't even get to try that at Peak Ender. That was before Peak Ender, but we, we were promised that for Peak Ender, and it never came on. And and that's that's the only disappointment. So yeah, that that kind of wraps up my beer adventures. I don't know if that was five minutes or just over, but that's that's kind of where I'm at with with, with it all. No, I was, I was going to say I, I don't know. I I don't know how it felt on the Friday and Saturday because I did hear from someone that ticket sales were about twenty five percent down. Which not just for peak ender for a lot of things at the, at the moment this year, um, and so well, I think they probably had quite a bit. Whereas previous years they've been like running low on beer on the Sunday. On the on the Sunday again, I went and went on the Sunday. It was really quiet. Sundays all more chilled. This time it was really quiet in comparison, and they certainly weren't going to put any new beers on come Sunday. Um, because there was, whereas usually they're just running out of beer, and it's like just get whatever's left, and there'll always be Jaipur on somewhere, so we'll just drink that all Sunday. Um, so the fact that that beer actually never came on in any form, even on Sunday, just goes to show that it was a little bit quieter. Yeah, I heard that ticket sales were were down, but from from my point of view, that that didn't impact in terms of the number of people. I thought the number of people that I experienced on both Friday and Saturday was perfect. Um, it never ever felt like it was crowded or there was too many people there. But I think that the, the knock on impact of that was that beers weren't serving through as quick as they have that they have done in past years. So let's just take Roosters, for example. Baby Faced Assassin was the only beer that they served the whole weekend. Now, if you go back to what Peak Ender promoted in terms of the beers that were Roosters were bringing, they were bringing free beers but only one of them actually made it onto the bar. So it, it shows that they weren't serving through the number of beers quickly quickly enough because, I mean, we we went in on the Saturday and, and, and literally after about an hour in there, we were like, okay, we really would like some of these beers to start changing now because this is mm. exactly what we were drinking yesterday and I'd like to drink something new. I'd, yes, I could drink Jaipur all day long, but... I'm at a beer festival where I've been promised lots and lots of beers and I want to try a, a few more of those beers. Uh, the, the one, I suppose the one revelation for us at Beak Ender was, so Kellam Island uh, had the barley wine on, cask, their 9% number one gold barley wine or, 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 or something like that it's called. And we decided that blending that with Necessary Evil the latest iteration of Necessary Evil, the English whiskey barrel aged Necessary Evil, would be a good idea. So, so we did this amazing blend of Necessary Evil and barley wine, which was 
just incredible. It's very, very tasty. Very, very tasty indeed. <laughs> ridiculous. Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, going back to uh, last year, I was there for all three days and I coined the phrase um, hay bale Karens because there was a lot of arguments going on about hay bales, which for those that have not been to Peak Ender is the form of seating they provide is with hay bales. And there was a lot of hay bale Karens going around, just not not even asking what if people were sat down, just taking people's hay bales. Um, and even on the Sunday, which was supposed to be the quietest day, we ended up getting in uh, heated conversations with people. Whereas this Sunday we had about seven hay bales and one of those big pallet tables all to ourselves, just me, my partner and Wilbur. And there was no trouble caused with it whatsoever because there was hay bales for everyone. So I and, thought... and I believe, I believe I saw a picture of Wilbur looking magnificent on top of those hay bales as well. Yeah. Just, just lording it over peak ender. Like he was always meant to be there. He, he had a grand time. Right. We've finished the first beer. Steve, what have you put in your next glass? So my my second beer this evening is is another one that I bought back from Ireland. Um, while, while I was out there, Wayne and I do I do just want to give the the this bottle shop a shout out. Wayne Wayne took us to Rodney Leonard's in in Trim, which was uh, a bottle shop that that sold a range of amazing Irish beers, and uh, that's where I picked up your beer mark for this this evening but wayne also recommended that i pick this one up it's a a beer by trouble brewing and it's called vietnam it's an ipa at 5.5 percent and and wayne said to me basically if you're a fan of a rye forward ipa and let's be honest who isn't then <laughs> then you should very much try this so that's what i've got in my glass it's a lovely dark amber color yeah <laughs> yeah yeah you, you know what the fucking Wayne knows his shit. Let, 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 let's be honest. He's he's not the Irish beer snob for no reason. Um, that's a really tasty beer. It's uh it's very much rye forward. It's got a lovely kind of malty spiciness to it and uh, a really perfectly balanced bitter finish. So I'm 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 absolutely loving this. So I'm gonna sit here and sup this while Rob, I'm gonna throw it right back at you in terms of what you're drinking right now, mate. Yeah, I will say this is a beer that I was apprehensive about <laughs> because it is a triple IPA. We spoke to Andy recently about his latest um, version of the uh, the Oregon Trilogy, which he changed up to bring in a, a red IPA. That, what's that called? Uh, what is it called? Sunset Oregon. Sunset Oregon, yeah. That's it. But, of course, then he brought out triple Oregon Trail, and I was like, do you need to do that though? Could it not just? <laughs> could you just have a double IPA? Would that be better? Uh, so, understandably, so I've I've mentioned that on enough podcasts how I feel about triple IPA. So I've been apprehensive about this, but you know what? <laughs> it, what is it? It's ten percent, but it is extremely drinkable. It's it's that th- there is. There is a reason for this beer to exist, and that reason is that it is delicious, and it's it's for ten percent. It's really drinkable, which some triple IPAs, especially the ones that are just basically yellow gloop. If someone gave me a four forty can of them, that'd just be 
a real hardship, but there is nothing hard about drinking this. So congratulations, Andy. You have uh, made me eat my words. Is this your first can of it? or No, this is the second one that I've had. And I am enjoying this in the same way that I enjoyed the first one. I'll tell you what, the first one I had as well, I didn't drink it fast. I, lit, I think I was sipping on it for the best part of an hour. And I continued to enjoy it as it warmed up. And I'm not going to be rushing this one down either. So uh, let's see how we get on with it. Is is, is it a case of that it, it wasn't a question of should or could Andy do this? It was it was a case of this had to happen in, in terms of the, the natural evolution of Oregon Trail. Because yeah. we went Oregon Trail, went double Oregon Trail. Obviously, everybody's clamouring for the next biggest and best. And, yeah, I, th- I think it was always inevitable, yeah. wasn't it, well, that this yeah, was so coming? There's Black Oregon Trail. There's the, there's now the, the Red Oregon Trail. So, yeah, the only thing left to do, really, other than to do, like, Belgian Oregon Trail or something, what what about a session? What about a session Oregon Trail? Oh, uh, there's no such thing as this. That, that, that's just that's just that's uh, just Oregon Trail, isn't it? That's the session version. Yeah, that's very yeah. sessionable. Yeah. Just... Well, there's two points to go with that because actually, um, one of my favourite cask beers of the year would be. I'm, I'm now trying to remember the name, but the session version of Babyface Assassin. I think it's called Easy Going Assassin or something along those lines um, is just one of my f- favourite Caspers of the year, and that's like 3.9 or something. Is it, so, called, is it called the Session IPA, or is it just called the Pale Isle, which is well, what it is? Yeah, but it, it, what, what, I think what we're getting at is if there's if the attempt to make a 3.9% uh, version of Oregon Trail and... It can be as easy going and delicious, certainly on cask, certainly on cask, oh, yeah. as um, what Roosters managed to do with Babyface Assassin. Then, uh, yeah, I would be all for that. I will say that, like, I've got no issue with them with, with Andy trying to make a slightly more sessionable version. It's just the term session IPA that uh, that wound me up because I just think that it's a marketing term. What What about a hazy Oregon Trail? Do you know, be interesting. Steve, no, it won't be interesting. We'll just ignore that because I was actually <laughs> going to say, what about a rye version? How about a rye? That would that not be the ne- in the next trilogy? Was was there not a certain amount of rye in the sunset? Oregon oh, don't start. Yeah. Well, there, but, yeah, don't pretend is. that we understand brewing, Steve. No, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm trying no, to we, open we, up we, a discussion. We, here, we literally Mark. spoke to Andy about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he literally said to us, "There's a certain amount of rye in that beer." Yeah, but it doesn't make it a rye version of it. What you well, want? A full-on just rye. Yeah, IPA. like like rye ruthless version of it. You know. Right, B- Belgian Oregon Trail. I mean, there's already been. I like the idea of a Belgian Oregon Trail. That that is that that I think that's possibly the only version that is left to be done. Wait, wait, wait. I tell you one that isn't going to happen. Then that is Brute Oregon Trail. Yeah, well, <laughs> because Brute IPA is dead. Yeah, it has been for two years, but longer than that, really. Smoked Oregon Trail. Smoked. Smoked. <laughs> Oregon 
Welcome everybody to Route Corner with me, Smokey Johnson, where every month we'll be exploring the wonderful world of smoked beers. You'll never guess where we're going this month, but it's finally to Bamberg, because Schlenkeler have a new beer out. The biggest hype beer of 2023 is in Route Corner this month. So, Echling Curler have a new beer, guys. I know, I know you're as excited as I am because it's also a red beer or rot beer. In uh, and I'm gonna think it's pronounced uh, Vixel, but anyway, it's a 4.6 percent uh, red beer or red lager, as it were, um, which. Apparently, pre-1990... No, not pre-1997. Is that when it got, got brought back? Anyway, it, 19th century was a very popular style in Germany. It's one of those that's been lost over time. Several breweries have been bringing it back. And um, it's the smoked beer version of it, which it means what they've used is cherry wood to smoke the beer, which gives it this lovely red colour rather than the usual beech wood. Um, it's got a lot more sort of red berry notes on it than the usual Mertzen. Um But it's... Do you know what? It's, it's really smoky. I know that's going to come <laughs> as a big surprise to people in Route Corner. Um, but it's just like smoked berries. It's really fruity. Not fruity like Vault City fruity. I mean, just like really fruity malts. Um, just absolutely, it's just it's so good. But uh, you know, I've, I've I've held back from putting Slenkler in this corner. It would make sense to do so, but I think people would maybe expecting it. I know even going back to when I did the smoke special with Steve previously, I actually got a couple of abusive tweets about the fact, how dare I do a smoked beer special and not include Schlenkler. Well, it doesn't really need to be said, but they've got a new beer, a new beer. It's so exciting. Is, is this how, how often do they add a new beer? Is this like the first new beer in X number of years? Is is that what makes it so significant? It's the, I think it's certainly the first one in 10 years anyway. While we finish these beers, apparently Rob's going to take an hour to drink his typical Oregon trail. So this may be a very long show. No, uh, it's, go, it's, it's going down much quicker. <laughs> All righty then. I'm looking forward to how the rest of the show goes then. Let's get into this month's discussion topics. Reverberation. Reverberation, 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 it's reverberation. And I'll emphasise the word topics there because there's not just one thing we want to talk about in reverberations this month. We've got a number of things. We couldn't identify one single thing on the space that used to be called Twitter because it's of still the mess called... that it is now. It's still called Twitter. It's, we still call it Twitter, but it's yeah. not Twitter anymore but <laughs> it's twitter but not functioning properly yeah, exactly that so we've got a couple of things that we're going to talk about this month and we're going to try to maybe not spend too much time on on any of these and we'll go through as quickly as we can so first up the sparkler discourse now this again ca- again, <laughs> again this came up again this month where 
I just and and even I am bored of this shit right now. It it's like you, you know what? Sparkler, no sparkler. You decide how you want your beer served. What well, what I'd say? I, I, I'm I, I saw a couple of tweets that um, just confirm what I was thinking about. What one was literally somebody just saying something along the lines of, "I can't believe this is still gets people so riled up." Um, and that got that tweet itself was practically going viral in the beer community um, because, yeah, what the hell? And another tweet I saw, which was from somebody who's a very well-known anti-sparkler person, posted a picture of such a sad-looking pint with the caption, see, th- th- who needs a sparkle when beer is kept this well? And I thought... <laughs> That's such a dead-looking, sorry pint that just needs a nice finger of head on the top of it. This, this, this isn't the win that you think it is. No, right. I, I know, I know the exact <laughs> point that you're on about, and it was like the beer version of a, a sickly Victorian child. It's <laughs> exactly what it was. You know, I, I would, if I was served a pint like that through a sparkler, I would have just said can you can you not do that to my beer next time please just just no there's no so i, 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 I just I, think i think that sad looking that that really sad pint of esb that i had in 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 portsmouth would have really benefited from a sparkler it, mm. it might have put some fucking life into that pint you know rather than it wanting to look at me and say just don't drink me just pour me away that's that's all i'm worth you you, you know you know what? Not not every cask beer needs a sparkler, but uh, you can't be saying that and then post a picture of such a sickly looking beer. They need to be poured in a different way, and, and I think when we've had the discussion about sparklers before, I've said one of my favourite pubs in the world, the Grove in Huddersfield, who flat out refuses to use sparklers, and they pour very aggressively in oversized glasses, which leaves plenty of room for just natural froth and foam to appear and that's how they serve their beer and i love that pub i'm absolutely fine with it it's in the north they get a lot of idiots coming in with like sparklers in the pocket because i'll tell you what i'm a big sparkle fan but i really hate also the constant jokes of i'm going to london and i'm packing the essentials oh i mean just don't do it's like the equivalent of the worst kind of dad joke. Just stop doing that as well, okay? It was it was good the first time someone did it. It was seventy four <laughs> years ago, but it's not funny anymore. So, I think the very first tweet might have been that joke. I, I think we're all agreed that um, we're so bored talking about sparklers. Uh, love them, hate them. Do your own thing. Enjoy your beer how it's served. So let's move on to the next subject, which is is trad which is a word in itself that I hate, Al making a comeback. So I really hate the phrase trad. Um, I would much rather people call it. And in fact, I even hate the phrase traditional when it's linked to beers. I think there's a much better word out there, but I don't know what it is. But is trad Al making a comeback? Is is it? Or is, is it just that there are a few people talking about it on Twitter and everybody, much like the sparklers, are jumping on that bandwagon? Well... I have to say that I said months ago that the the bitter is back, so that that was good enough for me. 
I think it's the fact that, it, again, it wouldn't be a conversation if maybe if one of us tweeted about it, but the fact that, you know, big beer writers are making these grandois statements about it, and it's genuinely ludicrous. The, the, I've probably written about three or four blog posts about this in the past that, you, you like, if you took all of the pubs around me, 60% of them are owned by the big family breweries who, guess what, drew, mainly brew, inverted commas, trad beer. So that's all they sell in there because it's their own stuff. The other free, free houses or pub co-owned places sell Marston's Pedigree, which I assume, you know, things that we're considering as trad beers. So that's all it does. And then there's still this 1% market that, oh, you might get some of the smaller microbreweries. Again, inverted commas, craft beers, whatever you want in there. Some of the more interesting ones. It's such a small part of the market. What we're not shy on is these older, traditional, best bitters, milds, whatever. You can get them for bleeding fun around here, and you still can in most part of the country. Certainly like where I little, live as well. Well, just like our Bathan's trip in Dudley, which was a great day out, but yeah. it's not like we're like, oh, God, all, all, all we can find is bloody Attic Bruco and Glasshouse. Where's the bloody Bathan's? Like, <laughs> guess what? There's loads of flipping Bathan's pubs around, Sarah Hughes and stuff like that. There's loads of it about. What happens is one small... Micro pubbing heats and more in Stockport puts a cask of bass on, and suddenly, trad beers are back. Well, don't talk <laughs> shit. <laughs> don't know how you guys feel. I, 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 I think that's the whole. You've thing. summed it up for us there, Mark. I think probably the actual. I don't know what the numbers are, but cask probably isn't doing that well, really, in the grand scheme of things. But. There are perhaps there's a certain audience that are all of a sudden realizing that that it is already a thing, and perhaps they should be involved as well. I don't. Well, but... let's let, let let let's actually talk trad beers in 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 terms, and this will probably lead into our next topic as well. Is is that certainly where I am? I I'm not blessed with the likes of Bathams or all of these wonderful breweries that you talk about, Mark, you know, that all of a sudden people are lording over. What what I'm blessed with is a lot of Green King and not much else. Uh, the occasional pub I'll find will, will serve Adnams, and it's always a pleasure to happen across that because they, as you know, Mark, are the most wonderful brewery in the UK, and you're a massive <laughs> fan of, of what they produce. But let's, let's go back to Green King and, and while, while we're on that particular subject let's talk about Abbott Owl which is one of their beers which appears in a very huge number of their estate pubs alongside Green King and IPA and um obviously that's a that's a great beer when it's served correctly in in all of those pubs so much so that it managed to secure second place in the champion beer of Britain this year uh, which is quite amazing really because I've never had a, a, an Abbott Owl that's tasted anything other than dishwater. So I'm, I'm quite interested to work out how that managed to achieve the second best beer in Britain this year. I did read apparently that they, I don't know how true it is, but apparently that they do tweak the, the recipe for that. I don't know. Cause I, I, 
I read that and like for me, I'm not massively snobby about beers like that. Like if someone if the option is a Green King IPA, I think okay, yeah, that that's that's fine. And I'm probably with good people, but Abertail is just a beer that I do not like. And I don't understand how respected people who were the judges for that competition came to the decision that that was the second best beer. I don't believe that that was the case. I just can't, I can't accept that. <laughs> well, well, before we start recording tonight, I said to Steve that I'd had a um, warm-up beer that might form a discussion and he <laughs> rightly guessed what it was, but I didn't let on that he'd rightly guessed what it was. <laughs> Was it Abbott L? I've got some left in my glass now. <laughs> now a, a, I, a bottle um, of Abbott L. I, but of course, it's the bottled version, which <laughs> now people will obviously. Yeah, it's it's not, obviously not different because it's mm. not yeah. cast condition. By the way, some, some something that I think like big breweries get away with that smaller breweries never could is having just a completely different beer in small package and then just going, yeah, well, that's just the bottle version. It's shit. It's like, but you know what? That's, that's actually the same with Bivum's best bit and the bottle version of that. It's nice enough, but it is not the same beer. Well, can, you, can you imagine track putting Sonoma in cans and just going, yeah, it's an inferior version by <laughs> the way, but you know, that's just, that's just what we put in cans. Not, not wishing to pour fuel, fuel on Mark's fire, but obviously Mark, you'll be aware that that's the case with Adam's broadside is that, the, the yeah, cast yeah, version yeah, and the some... bottled version have 2% ABV mm. difference between them. It's why I see Adams as being in the same field as Green King. How which... dare you? How very <laughs> how very dare you, sir? <laughs> um, <laughs> to be fair, I, as much as it's got that like smell that takes me back to buying beer in a supermarket for the first time when I was 18, um, it, it's not hugely unpleasant. Thing about Abbott Ale is it's been in Weatherspoons since day naught because um, it is he who shall not it's he or shall not, not be named's favourite beer, and so that's why it's always been available there. I don't think people are trying to say that the judges have been somehow given some kind of backhanders or something for this, and that's how it seems to have been taken on social media that all the all the people that have ever judged any beer competition ever whether it's a homebrew event in east glasgow or something have come out and just gone how very dare you we take it really seriously it's like we're not suggesting that the guys there almost slipped the tenor to say that abbott ale were good we're saying that they potentially potentially all said such a, a different beer was really good and it just so happens that um a huge brand that sponsor the festival that happened to have a beer that's in every single one of the biggest Brexit pub chain in the country came second. And yes, we're that looks a bit fishy. Of course it flipping does. Because as well, I've the amount of tweets I've seen from people going, Oh, I really fancy trying it now. And the only place I know that's got it on is my local Weatherspoons. Yeah. <laughs> so they've all gone in to try it just so they can tweet about it and just go, I've just tried one and it's not so bad. Well, isn't that flipping convenient? But but by all accounts, the 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 
the version that was presented to the judges at the Great British Beer Festival had been essentially hand looked after in Green King Brewery in Bury in Suffolk and then delivered to the Great British Beer Festival, continued to have been looked after until the point it was served. Now, that's not how every pint of Abbott Ow is going to be served across the country. It will be delivered. It will be it will be stored. It will be racked and it will be served. And and that that in itself is kind of a little bit disingenuous in, in, in terms of the process, is it not? Disingenuous is the word. I was going to say because, again, even if that is the case and that's how it happened, because we are sounding a bit like we're debating the moon landing at this point, but um, <laughs> you know, if, even if that's how it serves, it's just, it is just disingenuous because it's it's certainly not what I've got in my glass in my hand. It's, I, so, I just, I just, no, but Mark, it's I, made I you understand. go out and it's made you buy a bottle and it's made you drink it on yeah. on this podcast. Yeah, although this, you know, I do stupid things for this podcast. What can I say? <laughs> what well, just being here is one of them. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just, I just don't believe that a beer that I would actively avoid came in second, second place without there being some very special pixie dust involved. It's, it's not just, it's not I, just I, that. I, there's some something. There's something different about that specific beer. I, I certainly don't think that anyone's been bribed or anything like that. But there's there's something different about that beer for them to think it was good. It's, it's, it's not just interesting. that. Can anyone remember what won? Yes, Ellen Porter. Uh... Oh, eighteen seventy-two. That's oh. that's the one, and that always wins. And, and yeah, but the thing is that that's the thing that upset me the most about the announcement of the top three beers was that I looked at them and, like, and my first reaction was like, oh, for fuck's sake, is there nothing else out there? Because all, all three of those beers, I'm sure, even the third place beer, which I can't even begin to remember what it was but all three of those beers have been featured before and i'm just like surely from the couple of thousand breweries that we've got in the uk there there are a number of different beers that are good enough to make it to the final of this competition that people will actually give enough of shits about for it to be to be a winner that's new that's something i've never heard of Whereas I was just like, I, I saw them and I was like, oh, yawn. If you look at some, that, that, I suppose the other bit that doesn't add up, if you look at the, like the smaller categories, they are actually smaller breweries. So it's like best stout of the festival, best pale ale, best all went to smaller breweries. And then it's like, and the overall winner. And it's like, the, as you say, Steve, the usual suspects is like, well, how 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 did that happen when all the smaller breweries won the smaller categories? Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, there's going to be some people screaming at us down the thing, thinking we are proper tinfoiling hat <laughs> in it right now. But we, we are sounding like that, aren't we? And, yeah. You know what? If you're one of those people, <laughs> use the fucking speak pipe and scream at us because I, that, otherwise probably... that shit's dead. <laughs> I'm, 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 not, I'm not even talking about that anymore because no one's using that fucking thing. So if you disagree with what we're saying right now, you 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 give us your voice and you use the speak pipe and you tell us your views on this. It's it's as simple as that. Final point that we want to discuss on this month's reverberations is um, the crooked house. So this was 
what can only be described as an absolute travesty of justice um for those that weren't following it on twitter or even on national news was national news yeah national news. So the crooked house uh, just outside of birmingham yes it's just outside of dudley it's over the st- over the staffordshire border in a place called himley have you been rob i have been once i it's probably about 2014 or 15 and i had a gig over that way and i thought ah the crooked house is over there, and I just I just wanted to go and experience it, so I popped in on my way there. And at the time, the the pub wasn't being run very well, and the location as well. It's in this day and age, it's just not in the location that's going to thrive, unfortunately, unless you're doing something really special with it. But for me. The building is just, it's its amazing. It's just part of our heritage, especially for me coming from that part of the country where coal mining is a huge thing. So going to sit in a bar where it is just extremely wonky because it started to sink into the ground because there's a mine shaft un- underneath. It, it was brilliant. And sadly, I've, I've not been again because it's a bit of a trek away. Yeah, I, I have to say I'm more sad about lo- losing the building and the manner in which we lost the building than the fact that a pub was lost in that particular case. Well, I, th- I think the thing is, obviously, it was so the building was sold and then, yeah. what was it, within 48 hours, mm-hmm. it mysteriously burnt down. And then and and then get, all, all been, access was was closed off and it was and demolished it, and it got tri- bulldozed to the ground before any ev- yeah. evidence of the fire could be taken so it, it, no it was call. nothing yeah. no, nothing about that sounds it, dodgy it, it, it was a great way, shape yeah. or form it was agreed that part of the first floor needed to be brought down because it was dangerous but other than that it was structurally sound and then yeah next thing you know it's down the um the excavator was already around. So yeah, there's some criminal activity there. <laughs> yeah. But I think I think the point that we want to discuss here is so it's it's a travesty that this has happened to this particular pub. And as, as you say, Rob, it's you, you know, it's part of our history, it's an iconic pub. Mm-hmm. But the, the, I suppose the question here is do people only care about pubs once they're gone? And if if people had cared enough about that pub in the first place, then they wouldn't have had to have sold it to have made it a viable business. So, uh, do do we only care about something once it's gone? I think for me, as, as I said before, I'm more sad about losing the building rather than losing the pub because when when I went, it just. Uh, I don't know. It, the actual pub side of thing was nothing to to shout about, but the building was amazing, and it's like I can't understand that it wasn't listed and protected. But it certainly seems watch watch like it's been on the national news, and then it's certainly been on middle of the day a lot. And the why people are like outside the place, <laughs> as if it's like a, a vigil. Is like you really would think that that the pub had been thriving up until the time it was closed. So I don't know. I don't know. There's a, there's a, f- a fair few points for me, as you can imagine. 
<laughs> yeah, firstly, I think people lament loss when it happens. Of course they do, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's like it's like when a celebrity dies, you know, Alan Rickman passes away and you you tweet out and just go, oh, it's really sad that Alan Rickman's died. What a sad loss. And the, somewhere on the internet, there's somebody either thinking or usually these days going, I've never heard you mention Alan Rickman before. And suddenly you care. And it's like, yeah, just because I didn't spend every single day waking up in the morning going, oh, time to send my Alan Rickman was a great actor tweet out just to uh, make sure that people know that I'm aware of that doesn't mean that i didn't think he was so that i'm sad that he's died but that so people but, lament loss so the, the fact that people were just like a, a, a sad when a pub closes that maybe didn't go in it every day doesn't mean that you know it's just well you didn't flipping use it so what use of it is it to, to you people can be sad about something when it gets lost so there's my point number one um Point number two, of course, is the fact that it was an old building. And again, that's just sad in general when it's a historic place. We we probably all live... There's always listed buildings around us, even if you're in, surrounded by new builds. There's a listed building somewhere that you think... You know, even like church that... I don't think any of us on this podcast go to church, but I don't want to see the local church get bulldozed to the ground. It's a... A landmark that exists in my community and certain people use it which again goes to my final point is that just because i don't use something so i don't i'm not going to say oh i don't go to church so i hope it gets bulldozed to the ground that's somebody's church on a sunday morning that means something to them as much as every pub is somebody's local at least you'd like to think there was at least two locals that went in it's somebody's pool team somebody's darts team somebody's friday night place even somebody's memories that gets instantly lost every time that a pub closes so it, just because you don't use a place doesn't mean that it's not doesn't mean something to somebody else and so when that's the anger that people are feeling when they see this absolute horrid injustice that's happened to this building just so some fucking property developer can get rich in Tory Britain again. And that's what's so bloody annoying. So it's it's possible. I've never stepped foot in the crooked house, but I'm angry about the way that it's been destroyed for all of those reasons. That was something new for us, trying to do a number of subjects in, in, in one show rather than just one subject. We hope it's landed well with, with, with you, our listeners. And obviously, if you want to get involved in that, you can, you know the ways to get involved. You know what? I'm actually bored now of saying things like use the hashtag beer longing because hashtags don't fucking exist anymore. <laughs> Nobody uses that platform anymore for that sort of thing. You know how to get in touch with us. i tell you what would be good. It'd be good if there was a way to um, send us a voice note. Wouldn't it just? <laughs> but you know what? Nobody's used that shit either. So if you want to, if you want to send us a speak pipe, Go out there and find it and send us a speak pipe and we'll we'll listen to you next month. It'll be it'll be great. Um we're all gonna also gonna try something new this month where we've 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 realized that Spotify now have this thing with podcasts where you can ask questions about the show. So if you listen on Spotify, once you finish this show, go and look at the question that we've asked about this show, and it'd be great if you could answer that question. So now it's time for this month's interview, and this is one that we 
really enjoyed recording we had a lot of fun recording this and we try to feature a guest each month that brings something new and brings something engaging to you our listeners and we're really pleased to introduce this month sophie durand from burnt meal brewery Thanks for joining us, Sophie. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Maybe you could start off just by giving a little bit of a, an introduction, a little bit of background to yourself. Yeah, so I am Sophie. I'm the head brewer of Burnt Mill Brewery. I've been brewing now for around about 15 years-ish, something like that. Um, it just started off really with developing a passion for beer, um, as I think most people end up coming into the industry through that gateway and um there's only a few individuals that go through the university degree route um but yeah now i ended up finding a passion for beer when i was working at a little pub in essex and um ended up running the cellar there and really just fell in love with beer and this was um oh, maybe about 2005 or so around that kind of era when um when it was all cask beer, really, and keg and can were for the big macro breweries around the country and not much else. Um, but things have changed rather a lot since then. <laughs> I, I, I bet you've seen quite a lot change in, in, in that time, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, very much so. And uh, actually, what's, what's really interesting is um, seeing trends of beers going on. Because um, I remember... When I came into the industry, there was sort of a little bit of a trend for single hop beers and saw quite a lot of single hop cast beers around, out and around and out and about. And then it's maybe, what, about four or five years ago that there, there seemed to be a bit of a trend for single hop beers again. And I suppose just like fashion trends, isn't it? They just mm-hmm. all come around in circles and you're not reinventing the wheel, you're just regenerating it, really. I, I suppose. I suppose if you're into your beer... It's it's one way to really get to know the characteristics of a hop, is 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 uh, it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and and now especially so where you do have a really nice mix of East Coast and West Coast styles, and trying to be the hops out in different styles is uh, is quite interesting. That's in- interesting that you go there because that was one of the questions that I wanted to ask you. Was recently you um, did uh, your birthday beers with, with Burnt mm. Mill, and you did two identical beers in terms of, of of hop and malt profile, and then you changed the yeast. So one was an East Coast version, one was West Coast version, and yeah. th- I found that a really interesting e- experiment that that you did with those beers because I tried them both. And I uh, expected myself to absolutely love the West Coast version because I tend to lean in that direction. Mm. And I actually came out of it liking the East Coast version a bit more than the West Coast. Wow. Actually, a colleague of ours was exactly the same. It's, yeah, no, interesting. What What was it that um, made you decide to go down that route in, in terms of showcasing everything else, but just, just playing around with one ingredient? Um, well, it was our sixth birthday, um, so I don't know. Last last year we did our five acre, and it was just a New England pale ale, at five and a half percent, five different hops chosen by the brewers and people in the team, um, five different malts, um, 
and then we kind of went down a similar sort of route and then Charles, the sort of director slash owner, um, suggested doing a East and West Coast version. Mm-hmm. And so um, we thought, oh, why not? Um, and we kind of all chose a hop that we really liked each. And what we did actually do, possibly a little bit of a secret here, is that we did adjust the balance of the quantities of the different hops in the east versus west so they all had exactly the same hops in um but it was just the balance of what one we put in more into the uh the west than the east if that makes sense mm-hmm. just so that it would balance up with the um softer mouthfeel or the sort of more bitter um west coastiness of it but yeah i think it's been a really real success and it has it's been interesting seeing people's reactions and responses and um, just like yours, Steve, when you're saying that you actually preferred the East Coast when you would normally drink beer Westie. Yeah, it, yeah. it, it threw me. Although that being, that being said, and I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely not saying this just because you're on with us. Um, Burnt Mill do brew some exceptional New England uh, beers. Um, I'm not really a fan of the haze and the juice, but I seem to really enjoy every single one that that, that you put out. There must be something that you're doing up there with the uh, with, with the Suffolk water that's that's, <laughs> that's adding some sort of magic to them. <laughs> maybe, maybe we do take our beers down a little bit lower um, in final gravity than a lot of other brewers who do New England style. So they're um probably a little bit leaner than you would normally find a New England style, I think. But still with the uh, soft mouth feels and stuff. Mm. Yeah, I think we've, we've featured one of your um, East Coast IPAs on, on the show once, and I think we described it as like the mouth feels like a mango pillow or something like that. <laughs> so this, this beer that we all uh, enjoy very much. Because we've all slept under a mango pillow, so we know what that feels like. <laughs> So to, to go back to the beginning, I don't think we're going to go through your entire um, history, biography, because you've already talked about it on other podcasts, but to fill in the blanks for some of our listeners that might not have heard from that, your big journey started, you took a job in the pub and uh, became manager of, manager of the cellar? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then I just kind of wanted to learn more about beer after sort of falling in love with it. I thought, oh, this is really interesting. And um, at the time, Brentwood Brewery uh, was a um, it was, it was local brewery to where I used to work and supplied the pub with beer. And um, I asked them if they had any jobs going because I knew that they're expanding as well. So I thought, oh, why not? But it, but, but it starts in the cellar of the pub. I mean, I've got a, a partner who's not even a big drinker, but ran a very successful, if I may say so myself, Cascale pub. And her favourite part of the job was looking after the beer, even if she didn't actually love drinking it herself. Um, and is is that something that you fell in love with, that what, what, when you're in the cellar of, of a pub like that, that you get to um, look after the product that's then going on the bar? There's a real part. I think it's a part of, Cask beer being served in this country that's not talked about enough. That yeah, the, pr- the pride that people take yeah. in the cellar. Did you feel that at the time? Yeah, very much so. And it is sort of knowing that a beer was in good form when you're serving it, 
and people did enjoy it and yeah there there is a, a big amount of pride in there um, i mean it's not difficult <laughs> no. people say it's really complicated but it really isn't <laughs> no but it's, uh, it's one of those things that if if you know what you're doing it's really simple but unfortunately yeah. Um, I think it just takes a little bit of time and patience, which a lot of people don't have. And like you say, that then the job at Brentwood came available. Was, was brewing something you thought about before the job, or was it a case of you were offered the job and were like, whatever, let's just go, <laughs> let's just go with it? Well, I wasn't even offered the job. I, I approached <laughs> them. <laughs> Absolute fool. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, because I... I'd kind of achieved or I felt like I'd achieved what I wanted to in the cellar uh, and I'd ran a beer festival and organized all of that and all the beers for it and everything else and I just wanted to know more about beer my knowledge and the thirst for that knowledge had just grown and so when I knew that Brentwood were expanding I was like ah, oh, what a great opportunity for me to kind of go in and try and learn a bit more and so um, I, they'd seen me, obviously, at the pub handling casks and everything else and knew that I could look after a cask properly and serve a good pint. And they sort of jumped at the chance of having me. And, yeah, my brewing career started from there. Is is that is that you basically learned to brew there then? Yeah. Uh, you, once, once you kind of forced your way in um and, and made them give you a job <laughs> you, really you, twisted their arms that yeah. you then that's that's where you learned your craft or, or or did you go off and you know did you learn did you do courses and study on brewing and that sort of thing or was it all kind of hands-on learning on the job sort of thing so I learned on the job um and I did some brewing courses whilst doing the work um and when I was doing the courses and we're going into like the starch breakdown and malt and all that kind of stuff and that biochemistry of the yeast, I was like, oh, this is all very familiar because I did a science degree. Um, yes, it was an equine science degree, but you still have the nutritional breakdown of starches and the biochemistry of respiration and cell microbiology and all that kind of stuff. And so having had the science degree, then obviously really helped me understand and revisit that very um, then probably pickled part of my brain to um, try and eke out the information again. Um, and it, yeah, so it came quite easily and quickly to me. And so it was just learning the practicalities of it and understanding various different idiosyncrasies of brewing and beer and building on kits and things like that but so we did two moves with Brentwood and so we went from a five barrel kit to a 15 barrel kit and then we moved sites again um, into a bigger and more suitable site um, just before I left them and so I then learned a lot about that as well and how to um where to put things in the best kind of flow for a brewery and the ins and outs of all that kind of stuff and trying to make sure that you your racking is next to your cold store and all mm. little simple and easy things like that and and so, those are 
th those expansions would have obviously then involved you going back to the recipes and, and, and almost looking at them and saying, well, how do we scale these up so that we can yeah. brew them for bigger kits as, as, as well? And I'm guessing that the, the science background kicked in again at that point and made it very easy for you to look at almost? Um, Not really. You <laughs> 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 expected me to say yes. No, no, uh, don't be honest. But the thing is, beer does not scale up uh, on a linear scale, especially hopping. And so it was about trying to find that balance of, um, so you kind of scale up to what you think it is. And then you think, oh, actually, probably actually need a little bit more hop um, for to get the bitterness right, or a little bit less um, hop in the in the whirlpool or in the in the flame out hops and things like that. So there's all of that, and then um, changing of efficiencies through the mash tun and all that kind of stuff. So and actually, at the time, because I was still fairly newbie at brewing at the time, we did have help from other brewers that came in and sort of did some did a couple of days um contracting with us and um they really helped as well uh yeah it all just flowed through quite naturally but with some steep learning curves so moving on from brentwood was was the jump straight from brentwood to burnt mill or was there a step in between i left brentwood in very amicable terms um i really enjoyed my time there but i felt like i needed to develop myself a little bit more and so i found a job at munton's maltings and as they had a pilot plant a little one hectolitre pilot plant and they wanted someone to come and run it and be a brewing technologist for them and so I went there. Um, I had a good base understanding of malt, but then I had to learn very, very quickly the complexities of malt and all the little intricacies and of what goes wrong and what certain things mean uh, and specs and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I... I Stayed there for a couple of years. I was troubleshooting for brewers. Had brewers come along and do pilot brews on our little brewing kit. Um, I, yeah, it was it was really good, really interesting. I learned a lot during that period. But also at that period, um, my health just seemed to be getting worse and worse and worse um, to the point that I couldn't walk up a flight of stairs without being absolutely exhausted and out of breath. Um, and so with that reason and the fact that I'd actually really missed brewing on a commercial basis, I decided to move jobs from Muntins. Um, it, basically while I was there, it turned out that I was being really, really affected by barley and wheat. Um, and so I ended up cutting out of my diet. And so I couldn't drink beer anymore. Um, first of all, I cut, just cut it out of my diet, food diet, and I still drank a little bit. And then I still thought, God, I'm still feeling really bad. And like sometimes getting home from work and wanting to just crawl into bed mm. and just curl up and sleep. Had you and ever, so I... sorry, had you ever noticed any of the, the symptoms like earlier on when you were drinking more regularly? Or was it really just become apparent when you're at the maltings? um 
it really became apparent when I was at the maltings. I always, um, since brewing, I'd had sort of like a bit of eczema uh, on my skin, on my hands and elbows, a um, little bit sort of around my face. Now looking back on it, I did have a lot more symptoms that I just wasn't really aware of. Um, but it, then being at the maltings and I think just, so much overexposure my body just is like nah can't cope anymore I'm just gonna just reject it all and so even kind of walking around site I, I struggled because it was in the air and just malt dust everywhere and from the from the kilns and everything allergies not just ingesting it's actually just being in the vicinity just inhaling and yeah it really was really was um so there was that and wanting to go back into commercial brewing and just be part of a small team again because Muntins is a big company and it's great companies to work for don't get me wrong um but it just wasn't for me and so I then moved on to Burnt Mill um was it 2017 we started brewing and I've been there ever since and um carrying on on my story of health if you guys don't mind hearing me drool on I my health was just getting or my body was reacting more and more to more and more things and I got to the point that I, I was nearly at breaking point in terms of my mood energy um bloatedness all these things seem fairly insignificant but it's really really affected my health mental health and physical health as well and to the point that actually occasionally if I'd had a couple of accidents with some ingesting some barley or um or wheat of some sort it actually sent me to hospital a couple of times because I was really really struggled to breathe um and so I was in really really bad state and it was about a year and a half ago that I, or about two years ago, three years ago, that I did complete elimination diet and just <laughs> just found out that my body is reacting to more and more things. And so I got to the point that I was on such limited diet, but I felt so much better for it. But I could eat basically a bit of meat or protein, so meat and dairy and a little bit of salad and kind of leeks and potatoes and rice and that was about it no no herbs no spices um just salt on everything <laughs> and that was it oh. it was terrible absolutely terrible and so I've um uh, the last year and a half I've been seeing a functional practitioner and slowly slowly my body has um fallen into more of a balanced state and more of a healed state so it's very much um gut damage that had been caused over years and years and years um probably of lots of antibiotics and probably lots of alcohol abuse (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah it got to the point that it was really affecting me and so now a year and a half on from seeing a functional practitioner actually drinking beer again whoa that might help you as a head brewer 
(laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So six years of being a head brewer at Burnt Mill and not being able to drink any of the beers has been pretty tough, especially when you smell them out the tank. Oh, my God, that smells so amazing. If Munson's was affecting you so much, um, how... This might be a very naive question, but how can because I think you know going into this interview, I thought it was just the 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 tasting, the drinking that that was causing the reactions. So how is it different to slinging bags of malt in a brewery not affecting you, or did it? Um, no, it did, it did. So I'd sort of completely wrapped myself up. So for the first the first year I was there, I was brewing. So I completely wrapped myself up, wore um, face mask and goggles and hat and tried to cover myself up as much as possible when I was brewing. And it didn't seem to be too bad. As long as I wasn't getting too much contact with it, it was okay. And um, just muddled through with Charles and learned to understand Charles's language of explaining beers and in terms of mouthfeel and taste and things like that and trying to then figure out in my own mind as to what that would equate to in terms of the ingredients and what my experiences of beers were so we seemed to muddle through pretty well and um, and then as the team grew then obviously we had more and more people that could do tasting and testing and brewing and everything else I so I very, very rarely brew now, which really sucks. But I suppose the curse of head like brewer. The curse of head brewer, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you do you just um you, you just oversee the brew and oversee the recipe development now? And and, and then you've the, the, the brew team basically do your bidding. So it's yeah, so pretty sweet. much. <laughs> well, that's the definition of a head brewer, of course. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? So. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I do um, recipe development, uh, make sure all the ingredients are in, um, trying to look at future plans and how things are going to work, production scheduling as well. Um, And then, yeah, we've got three, four lads on the floor. One one of the guys does um, warehouse and distribution side, and then we've got two guys full-time sort of on the brewing floor and then we've got a lead or lead brewer who kind of flips in between uh the floor and me in the office a little bit more um and yeah he doesn't do much brewing anymore either so uh, but he sort of flips around all over the brewery as well fixing things and managing other little jobs and projects and stuff as well so, so, yeah, it's a really good team. And then a few people in the back office as well that make it all just flow. Um, I'm I'm interested as to what, because you said when you, when you first started there and you were brewing that you used to completely cover yourself up um, to, and, and take every precaution that, that, that you could to, to not make yourself any more unwell. As as time's gone on as and, and as, as you described there, you've begun to identify the things that make you better. What what adjustments have have you had to make within the brewery itself, so that that you're able to just come and go every day, come and go to work every day, and 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 not be made ill just by being in that environment. 
I mean, do you have extra fans, extraction units, that sort of thing? I'm I'm picturing all these sorts of things. Yeah, I mean, one of the first things that we did quite quickly was to get a um, container outside so we had to keep all the malt contained in the container. And then instead of tipping individual sacks of malt into the hopper, we put... Uh, we bag up all the malt into a um, into a big tote bag, so a one-ton tote bag outside of the brewery, outside of the grain store, so that we're then trying to minimise as much dust in the brewery as possible. And then we just hold that over the hopper and let it fall in. We do still get a little bit of dust coming through, but not nearly as much as we used to. Um, but being in a brewery in an old grain barn, we had roller shutter doors, and so that was just it was just always open, and so actually it wasn't too bad because there was always fresh air blowing in and blowing through. And then now I, I I'm absolutely fine handling malt; it doesn't bother me. I don't come up in eczema or get wheezy from it or anything. Well, that that brings me on to what was going to be my next question, which might feel a bit serious but i've you know i know numerous people over the last 12 24 months it feels like that have found out through various reasons um whether it's a gluten intolerance um whether it's things that have been affected by them drinking over the years that they've had to give up beer or certainly massively cut down and it's their I want to say it's because they've made it their personality, but because it's such a big part of their life, they've had a bit of a personality crisis, as it were. They don't really know what to do with themselves next because it was such a big part of their lives. But what, did you have a moment where you just didn't know what yeah, you were going to do? I very much How nearly gave felt? it all up. Um, but uh, I was just like, oh, what else do I do? <laughs> like, I have no idea what else I would do. And it was only when Charles came along and got chatting with him and I just thought, mm, well, if you think this could work, then I'm willing to give it a go. And so actually it was just lucky timing, I suppose, that Charles came along because, yeah, I really didn't have a clue what I was going to do. Um, I knew that I couldn't stay where I was. Um, I have got another passion of horses, but I was just like, if I go and work in the horse industry, there's there's not really much about, and it's fairly low paid. Not that brewing's well paid, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I thought I could probably earn slightly more in brewing than I could in the equine industry. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, so I was just really fortunate that Charles did come along at the time that he did, and we sort of got chatting and got together. Um, in terms of the brewery and just managed to go from there really and um but yeah i did cry a lot um i got very depressed and very sad but that was also because my body wasn't functioning properly and i wasn't producing any dopamine or nor adrenaline or serotonin or anything like that so <laughs> i was an absolute miserable what's it um and that only got worse over the years. So it's just tiredness, exhaustion, and just fairly miserable because my body wasn't producing any of the happy hormones or energy hormones. 
very glad that your body is in more of a state of equilibrium now. Yeah, me too. It's horrible, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and you managed to pull through and do all these amazing things in the industry, when you, even when you couldn't actually drink the beer. So there's still, you know, for those people that are going through it now, there's absolute light and enjoyment to enjoy through the community and the yeah. other aspects of it as yeah. well. You know, you can still enjoy that side of things even if you can't drink the beer is basically what yeah yeah it's still very social isn't it and i think because i knew the ingredients well enough i knew that i could still brew and create a beer what was tricky actually was um brewing new england style beers because they only started becoming more and more popular as i stopped drinking beer and so i'd (laughs) never actually tried and tasted a new england hazy beer i think that's why we all like them so much because there was a lot of brewers who seemed to be brewing them without having actually tried a real one it's all it's like kind of chinese whispers brewing sort of thing so yeah and it was oh it was a challenge and i was just like right okay so so i read up about it i was like so forget all of the all everything that I know already, which is really really hard and really weird, and just brew in complete contradiction to everything that I know. Okay, let's give it a go. The fact that we yeah. all the fact that we all like Burt Mill New England IPAs on this podcast, but we don't like <laughs> normal New England IPAs. <laughs> it's just this is just terrific. <laughs> no, there's just, there's just so many of them, isn't there? So there's a there's it just when there's so many some of them are going to be bad and unfortunately yeah, we've, yeah. We've, we've had some of the bad ones but oh uh, you you go back to the origins of new england ipa and it was from home brewers in on the east coast of america mm-hmm. brewing with english barley and english yeast and not using finings and having very hard water and Hey presto, you've got a New England IPA and a shitload so actually, of mosaic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so the the principles of it are basically from English brewing, but without any finings and with really hard water. I'm just, I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated by this process that that you you had never tasted one, and and you just worked out how to brew it. And then basically, was was there was there a process where you tried it and it, it just it wasn't right, and people were giving you that feedback, and and then you just kept refining it until until it was absolutely right. Because I, I think, um, well, I think because Charles was really keen on getting into the hazies, um, and like certainly things like the Pinto and when we did the Green Path, there were. I suppose what you'd call Californian IPAs now. So they were neither West nor East Coast. And so they're like the Pintles, really quite soft in its mouthfeel, but it's got a little bit of malt backbone in there. Um, and it's got a slight glaze on it. So it's not West Coast bright. And it doesn't have that West Coast crispness or that West no- West Coast bitterness, but it doesn't also have that um, flabbiness and lack of bitterness that are, east coast has so we're sort of merging a couple of styles anyway and then yeah we just 
I just I had to go for it. <laughs> I was um yeah, Charles like, go on, let we we can do this, we can do this. I was like, oh okay, okay. <laughs> Keep trying. So I was yeah, I was really hesitant. Um but yeah, obviously made it work. And and I won't have a word said against Pintle. I think I think it's an absolutely fabulous beer, and it's it's one that is just perfect for supping in the sun. And and yeah. I think I think that's the thing that sets that apart from it, it being too hazy or too juicy. I, I find with 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 some most hazy juicy beers that you could probably only have one of them because then they get a bit sugary or cloying, and then you you, mm. you need to move on to something else. Whereas whereas Pintle's got that pintability where you just want to yeah. go back again and again and again and yeah uh i just I'm, I'm glad i finally got to sit in front of you and say thank you for that beer <laughs> because it's uh it, it's it's absolutely everything that i look for in 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 a pint of beer it really is something you can just crush all day yes yeah and the abv uh you know lends itself to that as well it's not mm. it's 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 so it's very sessional weird thank thank yeah. you for that um, I, mean, yeah. I, I feel the same way about green path but perhaps that isn't quite such a good idea to crush that all day <laughs> no it's a bit bigger isn't it? quite a bit bigger yeah but yeah i mean green path because that's still quite soft on bitterness um and it's yeah it makes a citron mosaic um you've got that slight meld of hops in there. I and citron mosaic just work really nicely together anyway, but it, mm-hmm. it's that it's a little bit softer than your hardcore West coast, but it's not your East coast either. So it's, it's somewhere. So I think it sits somewhere nicely in the middle. Yeah. I've, I've definitely got to the stage in my beer drinking journey where I just appreciate just that balance more than anything mm. else. And that for me, green path, just that's that lovely malt backbone. And then, just just on the same level with the hops really mm. yeah yeah it's been really interesting trying some beers over the last couple of months and um yeah I, I actually try not to think about them too much because I've had so long not enjoying them that I don't want to over assess so I, I obviously wanted to ask you about international women's collaboration brew day yeah of which you are the founder or co-founder? Is it? Yeah, the founder. The founder, yeah. uh, which was, the first one was in 2013, was it? Yeah. Uh, uh, w- yes. Were you still at Brentwood then? Or yes, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That when the first one happened, and how many people were involved in that? Um, Lots of people all over the world. <laughs> it was pretty amazing, actually. Um, So, International Women's collaboration brew day for its full title uh was inspired by project venus um which uh took place um probably around about 2009 to mid-teens early teens and um that was kind of came underway from sarah barton of brewster's brewery and she decided to start doing collaborations with other women brewers throughout the country to try and raise awareness of women brewers in the industry. And she's been brewing for years. She's been through the whole um, uh, big brewers and working for some of the big boys. And she's got her own brewery up in, up in Grantham now. Really wonderful person and makes some beautiful beers. 
Um, just a little plug in there for Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, so when we were doing collaboration brews, and I think we were up north for a brew day somewhere, and I was just like, how can we make this bigger? You know, I want to be able to take this to sort of further afield, and because we had such a great time, learned so much, had it was great networking opportunities and we had a private Facebook group and if any of us had any queries or questions we'd always sort of ask each other on the group and someone would always have an answer to help out probably a bit like the UK beer and brewing professionals group on Facebook at the moment um, but <laughs> a much smaller scale and we knew everyone on the group and um, it was just wonderful I learned so much and made lots of friends that way and I just wanted to make it bigger and take it further afield so only seemed natural to make it on 8th of March which is International Women's Day yeah. and I gained help from um, a lady called Denise Ratfield who at the time managed the social media for Pink Boot Society in the U US and so with her help and her contacts within the industry and her knowledge of social media, we managed to get a really wide audience or wide group of brewers for the first ever International Women's Brew Day. And it was absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely loved it. It was just so incredible and real proud moment and feel like it sort of achieved a lot that women across the globe were having these experiences of just coming together and creating something really big in the industry and it's been we've had 10 years of it um i'm now taking a step back and not organizing the day as we have done for the last 10 years in terms of creating a theme creating a map for participants doing social media shout outs and doing all the social media craze around it all it's hard work and every year I seem to be lacking more and more time to commit to it um but also I think it's done its job every year it just gets bigger and bigger and you see all the social media posts and everyone just seems to be having so much fun and it's just really cool to see yeah and you know i was at track uh, during their week during international women's week and they did a brew and they opened the doors to any women that wanted to come along and you know he said at the beginning of the day they're all like a bit shy and unsure what to say to each other and then at the end of the day they're all having selfies having massive hugs with each other uh sharing phone numbers and I think they've actually also got an employee off the back of that as well. From wow, brilliant from memory. Amazing. I think someone wanted they uh, were talking about starting someone up in the brewery from that. And I know a few other people have got jobs in the brewing industry from International Women's Brew Day. And it's just been it's been such an incredible journey and. It's been such a massive it, success. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, you, you must, I mean, you will be incredibly proud, you know, yeah. obviously. I think it's a strange thing to say, but I always think back to those early pictures that I used to be able to 
name everybody in them because perhaps the numbers of women in the industry were so small mm. that I knew them all, everybody by name. And now when I see one of these group pictures of the numerous venues, I don't know anyone. And I always mm. think that's a really good thing yeah. because it just shows that there are obviously hundreds of people in this industry that I don't know. Whereas there was once upon a time when you could name every single woman in the industry, it felt like anyway. Yeah. I could pick, pick everybody out on a picture. So yeah. just to see so many people, it's like, I don't know who any of these people are. And that's absolutely a wonderful thing. Yeah, uh, no, it is. is. I think Crafty Beer Girls have, um, or that group has just gone absolutely bonkers as well in the UK. And it's got such a huge number of women who are involved in the Crafty Beer Girls. And they have monthly meetups and there's now like a Manchester chapter, London chapter, I think. Uh, a couple of other cities are starting to look at getting general meetings. So, so when you went into brewing, I'm interested. Did you think you'd have a your own Wikipedia page? It's the first time that we've interviewed someone where we could have literally go to Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's yeah. Well. In fact, let, let, before I move on, let's just answer that question. <laughs> How do you feel uh, having your own Wikipedia page? <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? I had no idea about it until someone said to me, no, you're, you've got a Wikipedia page. I thought, have I? <laughs> <laughs> and what also, I decided to spend the time writing up about my life. <laughs> is there anything wrong on it? Because very often there is. Um. No, I think it was, it was, I mean, to be fair, I haven't looked at it for a long while, but I think it was fairly accurate. <laughs> you should see what we've done to it tonight. <laughs> delete, delete. <laughs> but also, you've obviously, you've done a lot of um, Brewer's Journal lectures and, well, I say a lot, I, I might be out of turn there, but certainly a, a couple that, and... Mm um ones that i've watched youtube videos and things did you ever think this would be what you'd be doing and how were you prepared for pub public speaking oh um yeah no had no idea i'd be doing this kind of stuff um and yeah the first time i was doing did a brewer's journal lecture i was just, oh, so nervous um because public speaking is something i've not really done i've not really learn or been taught it and um yeah just had to kind of go out and brave it and do it I think one of the best things was at one of the lectures getting a round of applause from everyone in the room <laughs> I think it was uh, some uh, making a comment of um the battle that brewers constantly have with salespeople and the salespeople wanting to sell the beer that's in tank and say, oh, yeah, yeah, it'll be delivered when, whenever. And the brewer's like, no, it's not ready yet. <laughs> <laughs> and so sort of trying to sort of reinforce that, uh, to, saying to salespeople that sell the beer when it's ready and <laughs> not before, because then you're selling a, a, a product that isn't worthy of being sold. And, yeah, it got a round of applause. I was quite proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> 
And in terms of burnt meal, I, I think you you mentioned just before we started recording, uh, you were talking about expansion and some some little bits that have been going wrong um, that you've now got sorted. Uh, what's what's next for 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 burnt meal? Um, so we've just expanded by adding another two tanks, um, and I think mainly coming from the drive of getting more of a local delivery service up and going and supplying local uh, the local trade uh, much more easily and much more readily and I think that's just going to grow I and mean, we do um, at the moment the Pintle and our Heller's Lager absolutely fly out the door and we really really struggled to keep up with it this summer and so it's it's potentially the next big move might be to get a couple of big boy tanks in for the um, just Hellez Lager Brewing. Sophie, thank you so much for joining us. Um, your story is, is, is fascinating um, that, that you've gone through this process of uh, identifying that the thing that you loved the most was almost killing you, literally, and that you've overcome that and you're you're, you're stronger and better for it. And, and and that's great too and it's fantastic to hear that you can finally sample your own products now as 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 well that must have been been a real special moment it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to to, to you this evening we'll put some links in the the show notes where people can find out a little bit more about burnt meal and where they can find your beers to to, to buy in the web shop and all those sorts of bits but thank you so much for your time you are welcome thank you very much as well thank you Sophie. Thank you. And fa- thank you for moving on to beer from equine science. <laughs> <laughs> Made a lot of people happy. And that's why I wanted to get back into commercial brewing. We really enjoyed um, recording that interview with, with, with Sophie. I mean, I, I certainly had uh, a, a lot of fun, obviously. For me, Burnt Mill or a brewery that are close to me in terms of where I live and I really enjoy their beers. So I feel, feel a certain affinity to them. What what about you guys? How 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 did that interview land for you two? It was it was absolutely fantastic. I mean, Burnt Miller Brewery that we have talked about quite a lot about how much we enjoy every that everything they do, and in terms of the the different styles that they um take on as well. But you know what, um, so- Sophie is brilliant, and she just has a very interesting story to tell, and there was even um. A twist that we weren't expecting in the interview, which was which was wonderful. I think I think also not normally we we go into interviews. We uh, they're always really interesting people. There's sort of a a, a a a target thing that we just like oh, we want to talk to this person about this. But was with Sophie, it was a case of there's just so many things that we want to talk about, and there was so many things to cover. She was just such an interesting person. He was so giving as well with the time. Um, and it could have been, it, it could have been hours. It, it was one it of those been, interviews it could have been a where show we, in itself, couldn't it? Yeah, oh, let, yeah. Let's be honest. We, we could have just put out a, that, that as an interview this month and just been like, that would be actually really entertaining for people. Yeah. And it was one of those interviews where we had to kind of be like, we we need to go, Sophie. <laughs> we we need to stop now. Um, well, because we were all sat in the dark at the end of it. Because we were all just Mark, <laughs> yeah. Mark was in the dark at, at one point. So. Um, yeah, just so but so fascinating. 
just a yeah joy a real joy to chat to her yeah and yeah as and, and as i say as you, you know what what you've just heard is a is a mere snapshot of the conversation that we had with sophie and as always there's a longer version of of, of that interview and, and and that'll be available to our patreon supporters uh you can sign up for just one pound it's, it's it's one pound a month support us on there it helps us um, reduce the costs of, of the podcast and the main thing for us this month has been that we've had to do our zoom renewal this month and that's a lot of money and the that the patreon fees have actually halved the cost of zoom for us so if, if you want to continue to support what we do and if you want to listen to those bits that you miss out on 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 this main show there's there's a link in the show notes if you want to sign up and listen to that. And also that's now integrated into Spotify as as well. So if you've if you've been holding back on supporting us on Patreon because you can't listen on Spotify because that's prefer your preferred way of listening, Spotify now supports Patreon. We've set it up so that the two are integrated so that you can actually listen through Spotify as well. So um, there's no reason not to join us, and we'll continue to do those interviews, and we'll continue to put longer versions out on Patreon, and every now and again there'll be a little exclusive on there as well and maybe something very special coming soon mark maybe. We, we we might be recording in september hopefully the the first part of a really exciting 10 part series ten parts? i never knew it was 10 parts <laughs> i never signed up for that <laughs> well if you do the maths there'll be definitely 10 parts okay and i'm so excited for it i can't guarantee it'll be out in september depends but um it's coming uh, when it comes it's it's, uh, it's coming we and just it'll need be, to sort it out yeah it'll, it'll be well worth it so um I'm, I'm i'm really looking forward to and even if it's just for us but i think people really really enjoy it so some not just the interviews but some extra special bonus things are coming up it's time for the last beer this month then so i've already poured mine I'm very excited. I'm very much looking forward to what I've got in my glass. Mark, Ooh. let's go to you first, because I don't think you've gone first this evening. Yeah. Okay what, what what is the beer that you're drinking last this evening? This is normally one that we find in the cellar or the back <laughs> of our fridge. What have you found? Uh I have picked a John Willie Lees or JW Lees for people who aren't up to date with the lingo. Um <laughs> 2011 Harvest Ale. Um which I, I suppose you would consider probably a lesser known kind of, I suppose it's similar to Fuller's Vintage Ale, if you want. Uh, J.W. Lee's do a harvest ale every year, which again is a barley wine made with the fresh hops um, of that season to give it a unique taste every year. Um, and then they have the vintage series, which I was given this bottle for christmas a couple of years ago by my brother and they only come in 275 milliliter bottles and i suppose it was one of those i was trying to i was trying to think of a kind of i was going to use the word tradish i bet steve would hate that a tradish the kind fuck of is beer. that word <laughs> honestly to fit in with the theme so i thought well i've got jw and it's also one of those when you're given a bottle like this it's like I can't. I, I really like the Harvest Ale series, but I can't also think of a night when I'm ever going to drink it. So perfect for this segment of the show. Um, what I would say is these are normally really well rounded, delicious aging beers. 
And from a mile off, this smells like a glass of sherry. It smells really strong. Um, I've not even tasted it yet because I'm holding it a a foot away from my nose as I'm giving it this introduction. It's... It smells strong, which is unusual for the Harvest Ales I've had in the past. Without going into massive detail, it's got all the flavours of a a nice English barley wine, but there is this big sherry alcohol style burn. It's it just tastes very. It, the it, flavours are delicious, but it tastes very very strong, um, like like a Christmas port um, type type fortified wine kind of taste, which. I've never ever had in a harvest ale before, so maybe this particular particular year had this going for it. Um, I'd, so I don't think it would have got any better, but it's uh, got a lot of burn for it. So I'm glad it's a small bottle because this is going to take me a long time to have. So, um, Rob, what are you having? But I am drinking Yeasty Boys Rex Attitude. Which oh, you're is their, doing what? <laughs> which, what is their, you? which is their paid smoke, strong gold now. And you know, oh, what year this, is it? I have had this in my fridge since 2020. Oh, so it, man, so, this is proper so Rob made, doing the, the end segment, right? Yeah. So, yeah, in the route corner. So, uh, it says on the bottle that, um, it would be crazy to it just couldn't be done to make a beer with more than five percent uh peated malt and this is 100 percent smoked peated malt and you're gonna hate this mark but this is this is it is very much like a bacon sandwich with you your granddad sat next to you smoking a pipe oh, that sounds good it's got some gentle bitterness to it and you know it, it is very nice and i the reason why it's been in my fridge for so long is that i had it in my brain that it was the imperial rex the 10 percent version which I, I which i drank um after when i was about eight points in thinking that it was the normal version and it was it tipped me over the edge not in a good way but so i'm I haven't realised until tonight that it's just the normal Rex attitude, and it's really nice. So this has gone quite well for me, I think, this this third beer. Um, what's in your glass, Steve? I've, I've gone down a route tonight of uh, IPA, IPA, and, uh, and I felt as though doing anything other than an IPA to finish would be wrong. So I, I, I switched from what I had planned to something else that was just in my fridge, and it um, happens to be... Triple Oregon Trail that, that's in my glass. <laughs> no, <laughs> yes, right, right now, um, which is, uh, yeah, everything Rob said it was. Um, it's, I, I, I tried it at the weekend on draft, and I literally, I think I tweeted about it as well, saying it was just pure excellence in terms of brewing and everything that there is about it, but. Yeah. It's so well made. It's something that's like I've. I don't think I've ever drunk a cleaner triple IPA than this. In in terms of what 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 it is and what it set out to be, it's absolutely perfect. It it it, it really is. Well, while we're finishing these beers, let's get into the final points of this month's show. It's the end of this belonging show. So first of all, a uh, question from Lou on Brew, which was a follow-up question from a 
think last month's show in terms of we were talking about rounds and pub behavior and queuing at the bar and all that sort of thing. Um, she said, do people still buy rounds? I do. I, th- I think certainly if it's like me and one other person or a small group, it's just the easiest thing to do. And like very often we're all just drinking the same thing anyway. So it certainly uh, is very much a thing for me. What about you? No, but I think it's becoming less popular. And I think, I mean, you've had a mm. story with the 12 cocktails um, on this week's show, Steve, where I just thought that that wasn't one person ordering 12 cocktails for 12 people. By the sounds of it, that was 12 people ordering 12 Indivi- cocktails in, in, and, and paying it was for individual them drinks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I know that's cocktails, so people say, well, that's a different thing. It's not It's not because that is drinks a lot more now. Um, again, I my, my uh, regular, regular pub is on a Saturday gets absolutely mad with um, partygoers going to and from various places. And that didn't, well, it, it's always, you know, c- can get a bit manic, but it, it is made even more manic now. Because th- there's large groups of twenty somethings coming in twenty at a time and ordering individual drinks, and so it's not just one person just going right. I'll just get twenty lagers or whatever for for everybody. It's each individual person going, paying. I mean, I suppose this is where card transactions are good, but I'm seeing it less and less with young people, and also. Mm-hmm. I think we're pretty old school in our drinking habits, really, aren't we? Yeah. Between the three of us. I guess that brings us to the end of this month's podcast. Um, it's been a ride. That's that, that's <laughs> that's that, that's that's been a sure. journey. It's yes. Um, you, you know what? I've actually really enjoyed the way that we've done things this month. We've we've covered off a lot of different subject matter in, instead of just concentrating on a couple of things and. If, if if our listeners enjoy that, again, let us know. You can follow me on Twitter, because we're still going with its Twitter, at Beer O'Clock Show, for all of the latest updates about the show and what's going on and what I'm up to. And you can follow Mark. Mark, where can our listeners find you? They can find me on X, at Mark <laughs> Johnson. <laughs> And Instagram at Mark underscore beer underscore compagation. And you can find me at Rob underscore Edwards 90 on the socials. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Belonging. We hope you've enjoyed the show and we look forward to hearing your thoughts on the things we've been chatting about. Cheers. Cheers. to go and get my yeah i need to get beer number so, two in okay. the I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go and lock the chickens in then so. <laughs> that's the most mark johnson comment ever <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>